and welcome to a tale of two rivals. I am your host tonight, FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. I'm uh, taking over for FF underscore Banterman in the host chair tonight, and I'm joined by our excellent, excellent friend and co-host, Sean FF underscore Walrus Kennedy. And I'm glad to be doing this one-on-one, Dave. I feel like now we actually have some rivals squaring off tonight. Yeah, we don't have to fake it. Like, we no. just fake that we're rivals with Todd. He, he, we agree with Todd all the time, right? Yeah. yeah. I feel like we have to placate him, too. Like, you know, he's got a, he's got a soft ego. It needs to be stroked. <laughs> so, we're, we're here tonight. Todd couldn't make it, but we want to wrap up the rest of the AFC. We've been pumping out the shows. And you've been having a good time, Sean, with this? Yeah, I've been loving it. It's been good. It's been uh, giving me something to focus on. I just found out, too, I'm working from home for the foreseeable future. They've canceled everything in New Hampshire, so... Wow. This is good. Something else to focus on. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, we've got... It's, it's basically work and fantasy football for us from now on, huh? The way it should be. Yeah. Exactly. Let's be honest. That's how it was beforehand, but... Yeah, um, that's true. I mean, so. if we could somehow eliminate work and just keep it fantasy football, that would be good, but... Oh, yeah, we'll survive for the time Sean, being. Sean, I'm getting a text here from from the uh, man who is not here with us tonight, Todd. He's saying, make sure you mention how many titles Todd has, or he has, and how Dave has none. So there we go. We did it. We just opened the show with that, got it <laughs> out of the way. Covered, check, moving on. Okay, so, you know, for me, you know, the whole COVID-19 thing started around March 18th, March, actually a little bit before that, March Right before St. Patrick's Day, we stopped going to school. It was like a Friday, um, and we stopped going to school. So the school closed down, blah, blah, blah. And then I had a personal matter that went where I was out of work for a week and a half from home. So I wasn't even working from home for a week and a half for two weeks. And then I come back the day I come back or the day after I came back, I get a call from a number that I didn't recognize. And I was like, what the heck is this? And I, I listened, and it was my school. So I work oh, – I should also say I work as a – I'm going to work with – kids with autism in a high school in Massachusetts and so I get a call from the school nurse who had also been out she had broken her leg or something so she'd been out for a couple weeks and uh, or not a couple weeks a couple months yeah, so she came okay. back and and she calls and I, I listen to this message and she goes to me I've got this really weird doctor's note <laughs> on my desk um, I'm cleaning it out I'm just getting into it now uh, I'm checking with you it's, it's really weird I have no idea what it means. Please call me back. And I'm starting to panic. Like, wait, is a coworker <laughs> like is a coworker like really talking smack about me? Like, who know? Like, who, like, did a kid get hurt during a protective movement that I don't know about? And like, there's paper. Who know what the heck's going on, right? And so I call her back, and she goes, "All right, I have this doctor's note, and I don't even remember the name of the doctor, but it was something like." Hannenbaum and blah blah blah. It was something ridiculous name. It was Doctor Mantis Toboggan, Dave. Mantis Toboggan. Okay, so exactly. So now the now he knows. Okay, so now we're starting to reveal the cause a little bit. And it's she reads it to me and she says, uh, "Dave Wright should so to whom it may concern. Dave Wright should go on a five four four plan for his lack of fantasy football skill and his inability to win championships. And this should be accommodated for him and." You know, this should be applied across the board and his work environment. And she's she starts reading to me like, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, thank God, that wasn't <laughs> something serious. And then I'm like, are you freaking kidding me, guys? I get an email from my fantasy football league about from guys saying that I need a 504 plan for my fantasy football. And for people who don't know, 504 plans a like an accommodation 
a legal document that says that I deserve certain uh, accommodations or modifications to schoolwork so I can access to curriculum or essentially access to be, become a good fancy football player. So, Sean, let's, let's hear from your point of view here. What, what exactly happened? So just to, just to clean some of that up, Dave, because I'm sure this is part of your symptoms just presenting forward. You know, I know you get flustered, and that's part this is of it, from memory too. Is. So I don't have a copy of this doctor's note, Sean. So I'm just giving oh, you okay. the, the gist. Well, according to Doctor Mantis Toboggan of Toboggan and Reynolds Family Practice out of Philly, <laughs> you've been diagnosed with a severe case of ship neuronuitis, <laughs> which is an uncommon diagnosis and only exists. Now I'm quoting Doctor Toboggan directly here. It only exists when fantasy football players' utterly cataclysmic and continued failure to win a championship reaches unparalleled levels in that given the symptoms resulting from such a condition you david guinefer wright require some accommodations under section 504 of the rehabilitation act of 1973 so wow this is an insane moment in fantasy like our league history that it got taken this level one i'm a I'll be honest, there's part of me that's like pissed at like, guys, hey, this is my work that you're talking, you're contacting here. Um, I'm sure you guys are a little disappointed that it didn't come, that didn't come up before then, right? Were you guys like, why hasn't this been an issue? Why didn't this get mentioned? This was sent. December 23rd. Yeah. I know this. Okay, it happened December 23rd. It has been killing me. It has been eating my insides like an unstoppable force waiting for you to mention this since December. Well, since we would have been back from Christmas break on January 2nd. This was championship week, right? Essentially, or were we, were we facing each other? Or semifinals, were we facing each other during this week? It was as soon as you lost the championship. Okay, so it was right after I had lost, right before Christmas. Yeah, so I'm in a great mood. Um, so, <laughs> so well done. Yeah, so part of me was like a little bit. I told Quinn this story, and she's like, what the F? That's your work day. Why are they doing that? That goes too far. I'm like... I'm a little pissed, but on the same five, touche. Well done, gentlemen. I had really thought that I was in trouble for something at work. Uh, and then I got that phone call. And from I'll just give you, she's like probably in her mid-60s, this woman who probably has no idea what fantasy football is, uh, reading this to me over the phone because we, because we can't be in contact because we're all working from home. And she had just come back from a broken leg. And this is on her desk. And she's reading it to me. It's like, what on earth is going? I don't even have a student named Dave Wright. And then it clicked. It's like, oh, oh, Dave. Yeah, okay, Dave. So, touche. I think this is a pretty. That's a pretty great moment in league history. So I think I wanted to share this with everyone. Uh, well done, sir. You got me. I definitely had to have a drink after that phone conversation because <laughs> I was a little nervous. I, get, I have a guilty conscience. Who knows what the hell I did wrong at work? Because that's just how work. You know. You know how that is. Oh yeah, I know how it goes. You're always you don't you're, it doesn't matter what you do. They're just looking for you to get something wrong. Well, um, can I uh, commend you on one part of this note here? Yes. You know, as Doctor Toboggan is going through and listing out things to keep an eye on, you know, concerning behaviors that you might be presenting at work that would direct people to utilizing your 504 accommodations. One of them is that Christian Kirk will be successfully traded for at some point by <laughs> And that's how this letter closes. So hats off to you, sir. That's right. Yep. So that we, uh, as a long going thing that I must've sent you probably what, 40 trade offers for Christian Kirk over the oh, years. At least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd say maybe 60. Yeah. 60, 40, to 60 to 60. To the point where offers. your wife was texting me about it. Yeah. Or you, you might've initiated that one, but well, that part's messy, but <laughs> so, so, and then you trade him to a different player, which sent me on a, a, in a tangent for a couple of weeks. 
And then after another whole season of trying to acquire him, I acquired him a week before uh, they traded for DeAndre Hopkins. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet, sweet. I give Calvin Ridley. uh, All right. So why don't we just dive right into the AFC South um, and the Houston Texans. Yes, that is everyone's immediate reaction. (laughs) Um, Let's get into the fantasy football side of things. What do you? What's your biggest takeaway? Minus uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, they just added Brandon Cooks recently, so that they're starting to get the the feel of what is it? Brandon Cooks, um, Brandon Cooks, Brand, uh, Randall Cobb, uh, Kenny Stills, yep. and Will Fuller. Right? Those yeah. that's the wide receivers. Yeah, and they got uh, they got Kiki Kuti there as well. Um, I skipped I him on purpose, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just I don't like it. You know, I mean, I'm just running through some numbers here. You know, Hopkins with his 150 targets, obviously a monster, obviously hard to replace. It was 28% of the team's total. But more importantly, it was 45% of the wide receiver targets. He had 50% of the touchdowns that wide receivers accrued, 66% of the receptions, and 40% of the total yardage. Sean, this this feels like you could write a whole paragraphs on oh, this team outlook. I wonder what you're doing this Painstakingly did, and keep an eye out for that next week because there's <laughs> no way they don't draft somebody. And my yeah. point being is none of these guys, A, can stay on the field, which is problem number one, but B, seems like even possess the size or the skill set to replace 70% of this production, let alone all of it. You know, it just seems like they kind of copy and pasted the same player a bunch of times. Fuller, Stills, Kuti, Cooks, they're all super fast, unbelievably good at what they do, but what they do is very narrow. And the same thing with Randall Cobb. The immediate re- effect, I agree. I think everyone said, wow, it's, do they have just the same copy of everyone? Is it, do they just go copy-paste <laughs> the same player across the board? Are they just going to run four verts offense the entire time? Yeah, they're going to run the bomb from <laughs> NFL Blitz. That's go what deep. every go game. Go deep. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that's the initial sidestep. And then if you looked at how the Dynasty community, especially the Superflex community, reacted right away, there was a lot of Deshaun Watson hate. People are moving Kyler Murray above Deshaun Watson in Superflex Dynasty rankings. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I think there's an immediacy bias there, I think is the best way to put it. I'm kind of searching for how I want to phrase it, but I think that's it. Because I think Watson does take a hit now. But I think we've seen Watson survive a lot of bad situations before. They refuse to put an offensive line in front of him as if they've lost some kind of dare. He never really seemed to have too many great weapons outside of Hopkins, but he somehow always manages to make it work. You know, I think he's just a great talent. And I think come this time next year, a lot of people will be thinking that he exceeded their expectations. Maybe not by a ton, but, you know, he was the 11th best passer Last year, I don't think he ends up much lower than that. You know, maybe he slides by one or two because Kyler Murray gets a little bit sharper. Maybe Drew Locke, you know, his end of the season turns out to be who he really is. Um, But I don't really think Watson's going anywhere. Deshaun Watson is still my QB3 in Superflex Dynasty. I think he is good enough. This town he has around him, as we bring this back towards fantasy, he still has some, you know, yeah, we don't love how these players get injured, but we can take, you know, give Will Fuller the hamstring of Kenny Stills and then, <laughs> Just you know, Frankenstein them all into one take, tangible receiver. Yeah, exactly. We can get two wide receivers out of that. We can, so I, I think there is talent here. And then you have Duke Johnson, who is 
always efficient, but for some reason wasn't used after the trade from Cleveland last year by Bill O'Brien. And David Johnson, who we haven't talked about yet. David Johnson, I don't I don't understand what happened in in Arizona because I'm not sure if he just got on the, the wrong side of the new coaches, if he was asking for the ball too much and that sat wrong or sat in the wrong side of Cliff Kingsbury because he was produced for the first couple, you know, first half of that season he was doing well. He was mostly as a receiver because he wasn't doing well rushing the ball compared to other people in that offense, but he was still producing as a receiver. He was racking up the catches in the receiving yardage. And then they just basically said, ah, you're injured. We don't want to use you anymore. So I like David Johnson. I, I just don't know what to feel about it. I mean, if you're acquiring him, he's basically going to be on your team until he retires because he, you're not going to be able to trade him for any value. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I w- you know, if you're getting him now, he's already 28. He's got the big injury history. You're never going to get anything back, any kind of return on investment that you're going to like. Where do you think he finishes in our like RB finish this season? Um, Does he have top? I think potential? if these wide receivers can stay healthy and they don't, you know, they don't see a ton of stacked boxes because they're calling up me and you to go out there and catch passes because um, everyone else is so hurt. You know, I think he could he could be a a mid wide uh, mid running back too. You know, like a. 14, 15 finish. High variance type of running back, you're thinking? Like, boom, bust? Yeah. Know, yeah, you know, I think see? if they're going to commit to... I, mm, the only thing that makes me nervous about it is what's Duke Johnson's role going to be? Because I think if David Johnson can't get any passing work, he doesn't have a lot of viability. So you've got Fuller, Stills, and Cooks playing the vertical part of this game. When, you know... Uh, Watson has a little bit of baller in him. He has some. Deep, he can throw. He's hooked up some 50-50 balls to to Hopkins over the years. He can throw it deep. And then I see Randall Cobb coming over the middle for the more intermediate routes, and then also Duke Johnson, David Johnson coming out of the backfield for dump offs and stuff. And as Deshaun Watson kind of runs around for his life there at, while he's trying to buy time for himself. So I think there's a lot of yardage to be had in this offense. What I'm trying to my overall point is is I think Deshaun. This is a buy window for Deshaun Watson. People were hating him. After that trade, they, they think, oh, Nuck made Watson. I don't think so. I think Watson's a good QB. I think they did well for each other. Watson can support other wide receivers in this offense. And it, it'll be interesting. I think this is, and if we can even take it next step to Cooks. This is, I like this for Cooks. Uh, he doesn't have to deal with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup anymore. He Yeah, he has to deal with similar type of wide receivers. But I don't think, I think we can say that Will Fuller isn't as, as good. Or Kenny Stills isn't on the same level as Robert Woods or... Cooper Cup. Yeah, right? I wouldn't say there. So right now, is he the wide receiver one? For me, he is. Uh, I mean, yeah, for me, Cooks is the wide receiver one. I I have him. I just in our league that we have together, I acquired him for the two ten this and twenty twenty uh, superflex. Yeah, rookie pick. pickup. And people forget he had four years of top twenty four production in a row. He had over thousand yards. He was a baller for four years, and that's just not. People can't just, the QBs didn't just make him. He has some talent. Yeah, he's got to stay healthy, but I like Cooks. What about you? Yeah, I do too. Um, I don't think maybe as high on you, but I think, you know, if he can stay healthy, um, you know, he could finish up a solid, like, wide receiver, probably 17 to 20 range. Um, You know, I think too, because he'll have the volume. You know, like you said, he's incredibly talented. He had those four years before he started going to get these concussions and these lingering injuries um, and being shuffled around between all these different teams. We're not doctors, get... right? We don't know any... I don't... 
even doctors don't know how to judge what's happening with the concussions. Just mm. DeAndre Hopkins, people forget. DeAndre Hopkins had a little bit of a concussion history. Devontae Adams has yeah. a, a concussion history. People forget about that, but the, re, the recency bias. Cooks has been dealing with him recently, so not to worry about Cooks. Yeah, so, I think if, if he and Watson can get on the same page pretty quickly, um, because you know he hasn't necessarily had that opportunity. He's been with what, four quarterbacks in the last four years, right? So they can if they can really lay some good groundwork together, I think all of these guys are going to be injured at some point. You know, Fuller, his hamstrings are going to turn to dust at some point. Kuti's going to, who knows what's going to happen. Stills will get a little banged up. And I think the volume can really be there for Cook. So if he can stay on the field, he should be good. Yeah, so I think it's definitely a buy, a buy window for Cooks uh, and a, it's a buy window for Watson. And would you agree on that? Like, yeah. are they buyable? Are you, for what they cost, I mean, Watson's going to cost a lot regardless, but Cooks is very affordable right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, he could be a um, he could be a difference maker. If you can get him to slot him in as your wide receiver four, wide receiver five, because you're already a contending team, that's a great spot to be in. Next up, we have the Indianapolis Colts. Big news. Actually, the only real news out of Indy is they signed Rivers. And I think we're both kind of Rivers fans, right? I think, I like this landing spot for Rivers. What about you? You know, he's got an offensive line in the Colts, which was a problem for him at times in San Diego last year, where he wasn't didn't have enough time to make the throws, and it really suffered. And behind a good offensive line, an aging T.Y. Hilton, and hopefully, I think you're a Paris Campbell fan, right? Yeah, I am. Um, you know, I'm just speaking to... Philip Rivers last year was atrocious, but it was atrocious for the entire Chargers team. Um, they in 2018, you know, he had a 105.5 passer rating. They were the seventh ranked offense in the NFL. He was great targeting all parts of the field. And last year, the wheels just absolutely came off across the board. Like you said, offensive line struggles, injuries to receivers. The whole Melvin Gordon holdout situation doesn't really seem like it did anybody any favors. That got the team off on the wrong foot to start with. Yeah, yeah, really just seemed to kind of drove a wedge. Um, so, you know, now he's in a place, like you said, offensive line is there. He's got a lot of talent around him. You know, that backfield's got a lot of different role players, but some of those guys can, you know, uh, Hines is great out of the backfields, catching the ball. Marlon Mack is a lot better than I think, at least I knew I or I thought he would be, I'm sure. Other people are probably in the same boat, too. Um, Campbell's an all-world talent, in my mind, even though last year really was bad. You know, he was injured when he was on the field. He couldn't really seem to get anything going or find any kind of a rhythm, and then he's injured again. But I think if they can stay healthy, you know, if Hilton and Campbell can stay on the field, this is a team that could really do some damage. A lot of people had Campbell rated higher than McLaurin coming out. McLaurin balled. And... And Campbell also perform, had a more production in college at Ohio State than McLaurin did. So mm. it's just interesting to see what how they use that talent. Um, you know, maybe some, sh- you know, he's not just a burner. If you can get him around the line of scrimmage and Rivers likes, you know, with the Keenan Allen, he was throwing those those short to intermediate slant routes. That could be fun with with uh, Paris Campbell here if he can stay healthy. But health is a big deal. And help, you know, people talk about injury proneness, and I don't really want to get in that here, but being healthy to a certain extent is a skill. Being avoiding big hits, avoiding situations to get yourself injured, as like a QB or as a wide receiver, you know, knowing when to get down, that is can be a skill, and that does translate. So, it, it's important that he plays well this or he stays on the field this year because 
you can recover from not from what the type of low production that Campbell had last season. I mean, it's really difficult. The, if you look at the percentages of of wide receivers with this kind of draft capital, they don't re- very lo- very low percentage of them turn out to be successful NFL receivers. But it does happen. Same thing with Nikhil Harry. Even though they have a bad first start, they can turn yeah. it around. But the odds are go the way of Mike Williams. Yep. So I like Rivers there. I think they're gonna. I think they need to add some wide receiver talent in the draft. Do you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, even if it's maybe they don't come out and take a big shot at, you know, definitely not a day one pick, but maybe not even um, like, oh, man, I'm blanking on his name. The kid out of Colorado who's kind of sliding. Into, yeah, he's kind of sliding into the second. You know, I don't even think they need to go that high. Maybe like even somebody who's sliding in for like a Brian Edwards or something a little bit down. Oh, Brian there. Edwards would be great in that offense. Yeah, somebody they're bringing in, you know, doesn't they're not really relying on day one has to be out there, has to ball. You know, they have some pieces they can kind of shuffle around. And you just got me excited there, Sean. I just got to, when you said Brian Edwards and the Colts, I just got excited. Yeah, I can hear it in your voice a little bit. I'm glad I'm glad I could bring you there, Dave. Thank you. I mean, people are talking like Brian Edwards to the Rams where he's like the third or fourth option. I'm just like, ugh. But no, to the Colts with yeah. just an aging T.Y. Hilton. I like Zach Pascal here, and I think he's being underlooked, and he should be acquired because he at times was successful last year. Um, wasn't as consistent as what you like, but... He's a name, especially in deeper rosters. Don't forget about Zach Pascal. Um, yeah, UDF, he, led the, think, he led the team in targets last year. So let's not forget, especially for, for the brand, we can't forget about Zach Pascal. But <laughs> situation, after, you know, as much as I'd like to continue talking about Zach Pascal, um, people really want to think that Indy with their awesome offensive line and Quentin Nelson, the, the mauler at guard there, they really want one of the top running backs to land with the Colts this year because they think Marlon Mack is replaceable. Which I think you and I are pretty on the same page here about we're you know we're pretty pro Mac guys, right? Yeah, yeah. I think you know Mac doesn't get I think credit where credit is due. Um, you know, I'd say really the only knock against him is he has yet to log a full season, but he's pretty efficient. You know, his yards per carry have been up above four, four and a half both years that he's been the starter. Catches a little bit out of the backfield. You know, I think. Why? If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? They got areas of other need. They're gonna have to bring in a tight end. Um, you know, maybe that's something they look to do through the draft because they really haven't shown any interest doing it in free agency. They need some defensive pieces, and I just I can't imagine them spending the capital here versus those places or wide receiver like we already talked about. All right, I almost rolled over my grave there when you started talking about yards per carry and running backs. If that actually mattered, but no, I think we're both we're you different lenses get the same thing. Mac was. Top, you know, he's 15th overall in evaded tackles, and his juke rate, though, was top 12, which is juke rate is the, you know, evaded tackles per touch, essentially. And, and it's not just about breaking tackles, it's about causing missed tackles, too. Um, and I got this, you know, via player profiler. So Mac does what you want to see as far as for running backs, because what's replaceable, they always say, you know, advancing analytics guys always say, what is, what is, indica- what is predictive of future running back success? Evaded tackles. Breakaway runs are important. Mac had 13 breakaway runs last year. That's top three in the league for breakaway runs. But his, his you know, his his um, expected points is a little bit, you know, other advanced metrics were a little bit down. Uh, I think basically it's because he doesn't catch the ball very much. He had an increase in routes last year, which had a lot of people hoping Mac could be, you know, could be a true, you know, top six running back behind that running, that catching balls, and running behind that offensive line, it just never really materialized. Did he have, was he? Did he had a couple injuries last year too, right? Yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he had a season ender or anything, but he got a no, no, it wasn't. Missed a couple games, I think. But 
Yeah, he played yes. in 14. <laughs> yep. So, and that's good for Miller Mac because he's always kind of feels like he's notoriously dinged up. But uh, I think what I want to get to back to the with the Indianapolis Colts, Chris Ballard there, he's. I feel like he's a pretty analytics driven in his approach to building a football team. He always trades back and acquires talent, you know, f- trying to give him more darts to throw at, at the board and try to get a hit. And I don't think a Chris Ballard would spend a top pick on a running back here. Uh, I think they have needs elsewhere on that defense. Uh, so, and, and wide receiver and Marlon Mack and what they have is representative of a decent NFL backfield. However, especially Naheem Hines at the backfield, that could be a boost with Rivers. But Jordan Wilkins, I think, could be could face – this could be his last season here if they draft a, a mid-round running back to, to come in and just add some talent to the room. I think this could be the end of Jordan Wilkins. Not that many people are holding out hopes for him, but I wouldn't necess- – I'd be more concerned if I was Jordan Wilkins and Marlon Mack at this point. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I'd agree. Um, and just, you know, it, I think probably will spell the end of – Jordan Wilkins, if they bring somebody else in, I think if he was going to pop here, he would have, you know, they, if he really could bring it, they would probably be using him to spell Mac a little bit more just to try and save him a little bit, you know, manage his injuries a little bit more. And they're not. And I think then in that first year, yeah, it kind of makes sense. But now that that offensive line has become what it is, if you can't get behind that and run, you can't get, you can't run in general. So I think if they bring somebody in, he's toast. But like you said, that, shouldn't really be affecting too many rosters because I can't imagine he's on them. Definitely see one of the, you know, the lower tier, you know, the the second half of that, those top tier wide or QBs landing there as well too, right? A Jordan Love could always wind up in with Indianapolis or Jacob Eason or those type of players. Or Where do you see in- Eason going? What I don't really – so I, I've – I don't know anything about watching tape as far as quarterbacks, what the t- proper form is. How, I like to see guys who can read the field, throw to their, you know, not just at their first read. They can advance in their pro- their throw progression. I like, I obviously really like accurate quarterbacks, and I like younger quarterbacks coming out of college. But I, I don't really have a feel for Eason. I, I, he, yeah. So I don't I haven't done too much work. I've almost given up the way how my luck has gone with Daniel Jones and Josh Allen recently. <laughs> uh, so. But overall, from a fantasy standpoint, the way I look at it, as I have tried to learn that if it's not a first-round quarterback, unless it's a really, really analytical darling like a Russell Wilson, right? Uh, I'm not. I'm probably not going to even. I I haven't even done any work on him. I, I mean, I got excited for Brett Ripon last year, or I think that's his name. Kyle Oletta, yeah. you know, was a guy of mine oh, yeah. at one point. Will Greer was kind yeah, of Will Greer again. Last I, year. I'm just. I'm just. I'm not going to worry about it if they. I'll just take the if Gardner Min like a player like Gardner Minshew hits starts to hit I'll pay for him at that price instead of going getting in at yeah. the floor. It's too hard to scout via numbers for me from quarterback play. So, what are your thoughts? Um, you know, Echo, I'm not really sure. Kid seems like he has a lot of talent, but I think the concerning thing was all the reports coming out of the draft of scouts and coaches walking out of interviews, just kind of scratching their heads, wondering what the hell they just went through with that kid. Um, kind of. To me, like the interview process at least sounds like it's coming off. It just screams Josh Rosen, the sequel. Were they Are you all a Josh Rosen him? guy at the time? Yeah, you know what? I was until the drafts. You know, I thought yeah. he could, like an, like an unsung hero. Like he doesn't check all the boxes that everyone's looking for, but what he does, he does well. And then all these things started coming up about his personality, his jacuzzi, his voting preferences, all these crazy things that didn't seem like they mattered, but 
Very West Coast. Yeah, huh? yeah, but guess what? Josh Allen's about to be replaced for the second time. You could Josh Rosen. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, Josh Rosen is. Um, that's I understand why you make that slip because that's just me. Maybe you could just feel me hoping Josh Allen could be replaced. <laughs> that microphone. must have been it. You were just. But I out. promise we won't get to Josh Allen again tonight, guys. Um, so yeah, anything else you want to say for the Colts? The good wide receiver landing spot. Uh, Rivers help. I mean, I think Rivers is an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett with their QB Big situation time. last year. Big time. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a good landing spot. I think it's probably one of the better. Ones, you know, it might have a low floor, but it has a high ceiling. All right, so going on, moving on to our Titans. Not our Titans. The <laughs> the Tennessee Titans. They re-signed Ryan Tannehill to a pretty significant quarterback deal. Uh, what Talk about a change of, you know, getting out of Miami and becoming a, you know, sensation down the stretch in it's the, Tennessee. It's the Adam Gase effect, man. Yeah. Well, as the, a fantasy succubus. I was it. about to say, <laughs> fantasy succubus. I love that term. Yeah, Tannehill, I mean, I think I mentioned this here before, but, you know, they were really efficient in the red zone last year. It was, like, historically uh, efficient in the red zone. They were over 90% yeah. in the red zone, which is just astronomical. And then that really tailed off in the, in the playoffs. And that when you start kicking field goals and not scoring TDs, that's a big drop-off in fantasy production and real-life production. So... I liked, you know, maybe some of that was just some some mag- some Tannehill magic for a little while there, but the way that team is built around Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, an offensive line who lost their the right tackle to the Cleveland Browns, but he was more of a run blocker anyway. Uh, I think Tannehill can still be pretty. I think he's he is what he is. He's, you know, a, a upper end to mid QB two, right? Yeah, you know, I, I think far and away we saw the best we'll ever see from Ryan Tannehill last year. But I think he can still be serviceable. He can still manage a game. He can still run through a plan and make progression reads. Um, and I think A.J. Brown kind of highlighted that more than anything. If you're talented enough, you know, he'll put the ball in your hands. Maybe not in a Patrick Mahomes light up the world on fire kind of way. But, you know, if you have the talent, if you have the athleticism to create space for yourself, he has the consistency to at least open the door for you to work some magic. Yeah, and Tannehill, I feel like he spreads the ball around a lot. So sometimes I'm like, just feed A.J. Brown. Come on. He's super <laughs> efficient. Just give him the ball. Come on. Or in the past. That was just me with A.J. Brown. Now, just imagine two years ago and me talking about Corey Davis to my to the red zone. Where is Corey Davis? Come on. But that wasn't yeah, that But A.J. Brown, Brown is good. Yeah. Corey Davis oh, is. Oh, oh, all right. All right. All right, Sean. Easy there. Don't pull a Todd now. Well, I'm not going full Todd. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, the numbers are on my side on this one, David. Oh, well, I mean, he's not the uh, he's not going to be a top twelve wide receiver anymore. I'll I'll, I'll secede that point to you but, anymore. Yeah, well, there you know. Well, anyway, let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> you almost got me there, Sean. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Tannehill, Tannehill, I I think the real issue with Tannehill is that that's not going to be a high passing volume offense, right? He's got to be super efficient in his passing attempts. That's kind of what you're going to expect out of Tannehill, and then he also has that rushing floor. He got you know, 30 to 30 to 40 rushing yards per game. And that really helps give you at least something from the QB position. So I think that's, I think we continue to see that from Tannehill or maybe a little bit less, but yeah, it, you know, they ran, they ran the third least amount of plays of every team last year and they threw with the fourth least frequency. And I think that's just a reflection of, like you said, Tannehill can move a little bit. He's got some wheels, but also if it's third and three, your best option isn't trying to swing a quick outside to AJ Brown. 
your best option is just giving the ball to Derrick Henry and letting him do what he say, does. I was about to say we've been three or four minutes on Tennessee and we haven't mentioned. Everyone's probably thinking, why haven't you talked about Derrick Henry yet? And that's the real story, right? They've franchised Derrick Henry. This is a running offense. This is basically, it's Derrick. It's, as long as Derrick Henry's successful, as long as that defense is playing well and they're playing from ahead, we're not going to see the volume we want to see. But we, mm-hmm. we want to see them playing from behind. We want to see that passing game. Um, but yeah, right. It's Derrick Henry or, or, and then it's an AJ Brown and then everyone else. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, I don't, I don't think Tannehill has the volume to really roster unless you're playing super flex. Um, you know, if you're a single QB, he's, he's just not going to deliver the way you need him to. Yeah. He's way more. I mean, he could, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he won. He actually was probably a great pickup for some people because he got hot at points. Oh yeah. But yeah, well, I think me, I, you're not drafting him early in super in a uh, in a one QB league anywhere. No, no, certainly not. I think AJ Brown's worth a look, just like you said, because he's so uber efficient. Derrick Henry's obviously just a monster, and they're going to run him till the wheels fall off. Uh, what do you, you think? think Derrick Henry gets a new contract, or do you think they franchise him and this is it? I think they franchise him and this is it. Because that's the real the real fear is because this is my problem I have with the Tennessee Titans is their off their Vrabel's the defensive minded grind it out and yeah i think he you can get a lot of talent out of players who don't have the most talent so you can get a lot out of players you put them in the right situation and blah blah but when you have that run first mentality it's a razor thin margin to win games i feel mm-hmm. like and you, you know what will put me into a tizzy on day <laughs> on the draft night a tizzy i'll say tizzy, tizzy. rage i'll rip my out of my shirt is if they draft Jonathan Taylor, I will flip the f out because that'll that'll put me. I will just do Tennessee. Stay away from Jonathan Taylor. Don't <laughs> just don't. No, no. So, right? Do you agree? That, don't you see that's a Tennessee move? Yeah. Well, I think it's what they did. It's how they got Derrick Henry. Right? They got Demarco Murray. They got him after after his big monster years with Dallas, and they just ran him till the wheels fall off. They drafted Mike Williams. Waited for that to happen. Or not Mike. They drafted Derrick Henry, waited for that to happen. And then they put Derrick Henry in. And then they signed Deion Lewis, too. Yeah. So just, I, they, there's a real fear of Jonathan. That, that would crush me. That would crush, that would crush me. And let's not talk about it anymore. But just let people out there who are putting, you know, putting everything on the line to acquire Jonathan Taylor. That's not me. I have not, I have not asked for, I have not offered insane trades to try to acquire Jonathan Taylor. That's not me. I promise. The kid's good, but people are people are going to want too much just based on the name. Oh, I'm being sarcastic. I, I've I've offered my my first. Um, I've offered everything. I've offered the house. I've offered everything, Sean, for, for Jonathan Taylor. Wow. But my point being is, people who are doing that need to be aware that this is before the NFL draft. There is a very real possibility yeah. that a team like Tennessee could ruin that for that first year of value. And I'm not saying it's going to tank his whole career, but. If you're giving away a proven blue chip running back prospect to try to acquire him, then I mean, some people I know are really down on Nick Chubb. Not me. Some people are. They are talking about, hey, why don't you get out from underneath Nick Chubb and acquire another piece and pick up Jonathan Taylor? Well, that looks great, except <laughs> Derrick Henry's just just gobbling all up, up all the opportunity. But anyway, so I think before we move on from Tennessee, Sean, I think it is worth saying that Jonu Smith, with they have no longer have Delaney Walker at tight end. I think Jonu Smith is a great uh, tight end target uh, for people to acquire. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I do. I think he's kind of a sneaky play. You know, he's a great athlete. Um, has just kind of never had that opportunity to really pop yet. Uh, this is also a contract year for him. You know, if he's ever going to step up, this is the time. 
this is typical this is typically how tight ends progress especially you know tight ends of his caliber i think he came from a little bit he didn't come from an elite program he uh so you know they take time to develop there's a lot you have to learn and he also had to deal with delaney walker at times when mm-hmm. he was healthy uh and jenna smith is a good player he was he had certain games where i was just like oh man just keep giving the ball here <laughs> and then I just have to, as I, as you can see, I'm sure you can probably hear it again. I'm starting to get a little bit excited about John o. Smith talking about him. Oh man, I was, I was high on him coming out of the draft, and now, oh well, my gosh, his opportunity's fill coming. And Joku-sized hole in your heart. Exactly. Yes, John o. Smith was my was an arbitrary jo- uh, David Joku. Good idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, but as I start <laughs> to get excited about John o. Smith, I have to keep saying to myself, this is a low passing, low volume offense in Tennessee. That so that's the only caveat you have to say. He could be the number two option here, and my gosh, I'm going against my Corey Davis, my Corey Davis love again. But there's a real possibility that John Smith could be the number two option in this passing offense. So, all right, and now on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ugh, they're kind of getting a little <laughs> traded. We talked about him and Nick Foles, what he brings to a spreadsheet a couple episodes ago. But they trade Nick Foles away, and it is Gardner Minshew season. You you uh, you ride the wave. You uh, are you? Did you do some? Your make your own cutoff jeans? To yeah, try I to got get some. Out? I got some shorts. I'm working on a handlebar. You know, I'm I'm buying it. I don't think they are though. I can't imagine that they don't bring somebody in. Maybe you know, maybe they don't take a swing at Jordan Love because what do they have the ninth or the tenth pick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine the big three will all be gone by then. But you know, I could see them. They could be like a Jacob Eason buyer because uh, I think. You know, Gardner was good last year. I actually I looked him up on the next gen stats on NFL, and he was surprisingly efficient, targeting a lot of the field. Um, I think he's a gunslinger. You know, does which he is have awesome. That Ryan Fitzpatrick feel. Yeah, he really does. Just like plays with no fear in his heart, which is brings awesome. the team around him. You know, lifts people up a little bit. They people believe, they're like, oh, he can do this out in the field, like in the huddle. They're like, all right, yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, and that's cool if you're making you know a Keanu Reeves movie with Gene Hackman, but that doesn't always translate into the NFL. Yeah, that's so true. I think I, I can't imagine that they don't bring somebody in to either push him or to see if that person can take over the role. This is where I think it, it is in my head, Sean, as I feel like they give it to they put the they don't even really acquire a QB this year. Right, they have Gardner Minshew and you've got this team here. You, DJ Chark and, you know, D.D. Westbrook, they might acquire Jerry Judy in the draft and like that. They are going to probably they're going to have to get a, a corner in this in this draft too after Ramsey go, went to the Rams. So, you know, th- this can be something that you can see them have to invest in defense. And then there's always that hanging over the Jacksonville Jaguars that they're moving to London. So why yeah. don't they say, hey, let's give Gardner his shot. He either he explodes and he outperforms our expectations, and then that can be someone we can sell the London fan base to. Or they have a high draft capital and they draft some of the top QBs coming out next year. That everyone's gushing about right. Yeah, they can. They, that's what they can brand London with. So I think that's kind of where they go. I mean, who knows? We're not in their their minds or anything. But sometimes it doesn't seem like they're in their minds. Yeah, <laughs> that owner. I always get a kick out of his mustache. But oh, that's, that's either it. here or there. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm trying to think what they, uh, else they really haven't done too much else. Uh, Leonard Fournette's still a pretty dice dentist. I think depending who you're talking to. I think Leonard Fournette's still a decent buy. He's yeah. getting disrespected in some circles. Do you know he had 100 targets last year? Yeah, yeah. That's no, insane to me. Nobody would have guessed that coming out of college that Leonard Fournette could do that. Nobody. 
Now, most of his targets were kind of more dump-off fields, right? Gardner Minshew is trying to... Yeah, full, yeah right? just a safety blanket. But you know what? That's If you're half-point PPR, that's 50 extra points. For oh, my... Him. Oh, that's what made him so great. And yep. imagine, he just didn't have a lot of touchdowns last year. Imagine if he had a representative amount of touchdowns. He was really... For his expected touchdowns were much... Significant, supposed to be significantly higher. Uh, just the way that offense worked last year. He should have had a lot more touchdowns. So if that evens out, he still... You know, he might not get as many targets. But if he has a representative amount of targets... That, I mean, yeah, I think there's – and then DJ – we haven't even talked about DJ Chark yet. I think he's interesting. Like, he's he's developing. They have some pieces to build around. There's some attractive fantasy assets to have here, but it's kind of wait and see to see how Gardner Minshew does, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so. But I think, you know, their wide receiver core is pretty good. Chark and Westbrook and Chris Conley. Um, yeah, they were pretty good, really reliable. They combined for something like 225 targets – only, so it's a wide receiver centric offense, you're saying? Yeah, I think you know, I think there was them and Fournette, and then the next highest person was Keelan Cole, and like who cares about Keelan Cole? Oh, Keelan who Cole? had 35 targets, and then it was like Rykel Armstead with 24, and that was it. Like nobody else is getting any love in Jacksonville besides those three receivers and Leonard Fournette. And so yeah, you're right. They have some. You're right. They have some decent wide receivers there. But also we have Josh Oliver is attractive there. Some people might have had their hopes dashed because as we can look at Tyler Eifert signed there for a nice, decent sized deal, two years, fifteen like fifteen million, I think. Yeah. yeah. So he had a four year contract. I think he didn't have that big of a contract coming out, and this is his first real contract. So good for for Tyler Eifert who's battled through injuries injuries in Cincinnati. Uh, he actually, I think he had the second most receptions and production out of his career because he's. Which would be surprising. I mean, he has nothing to write home about, but he just with the injuries, he hasn't been able to string together very much. So, yeah, Tyler, that's an interesting thing, and I think that really squashes people are really down on um, Josh Oliver now um, as a tight end thing. So, good time to sweep in there and pick up some Josh Oliver in tight end premium two tight end formats because I've said this again. I'll keep saying it: the arc the arc of development for tight ends is a lot slower than other positions. A lot of the people spend a lot of capital, and you come in and swoop in for, for chump change, and then you have them blow up on your roster, like Mike Gusecki. So that's that's all I had to say. Anything to add on, on Tyler Eifert or the tenant situation? Yeah, you know, just buy the depth chart. You've got five, six years of Tyler Eifert proving he can't stay on the field. Just because he did it last year doesn't mean he's doing it this year. All right, let's move on to the AFC North. And what do you think about Eric Ebron to the Steelers? I think he'll be somewhere in between. He'll have some red zone viability because I can't imagine he won't. But I just, I don't see it. I think those other wide receivers there are too talented. I think Roethlisberger is a big a-hole and not very accommodating. (laughs) You know, I think he's going to go with what he knows. It seems like he's threatened by anything new. I mean, remember when they drafted Mason Rudolph and he freaked out and threatened to retire? Oh, yeah. I'm so conflicted about Mason Rudolph. I was really high on him coming out. He, I had him over Josh Rank. I, this is how high my Josh, how much hate I had for Josh Allen coming out. I had Mason Rudolph ranked ahead of him. <laughs> uh, so I, I think I, I think I'm on the same page with you as far as Ebron. I, you know, he's going to be streaky, TD dependent. He'll have, his, he might have some decent games, but that's how tight end position works, really. Mm. Anyone after the top five, six guys, it's you're going to have to straight. You're going to streak. I think Rothberg coming back, I think he gives hope to Juju again. People who are Deontay Johnson truther, or not truthers, because I think he's a good player. Deontay Truth or Deontay Johnson believers have a lot of hope with Ben Rothberg coming back. And I guess the big takeaway here is this is probably a prime landing spot for one of the, the remaining QBs in the free agency 
merry-go-round to land there, like a Winston or Cam Newton to land there is a, a pretty good spot, even though I'm not sure how much cap room they have in Pittsburgh. But they could take a QB here to eventually take Rosberg because Rosberg is running out of time here. I mean, you've seen the pictures of him. Oh, yeah. He looks beard. If they sign a Jameis Winston there, you, I bet I guarantee you that beard comes off. He's like, oh, I have to start, you know, I have to start actually trying now. Yeah. So, you know, it, 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 I'm gonna, it's for real now. But, yeah, do you agree that's a good landing spot for QB? Yeah, I think I think it could be. Um, I just, I see them going different. Like, Jalen Hurts might be too high. If that makes sense. You know, I think they, I could see them not doing, just because of Roethlisberger, the way he is. He seems to every three weeks or so publicly flirt with retirement in season, let alone out of season. And I can't imagine that the organization or him are on the same page enough to sit down and come up with some kind of exit strategy. So I think this is going to be more of a, he plays until he doesn't, he's the quarterback until he's not, and they end up spending big in the draft, first round pick, you know, maybe moving up and getting their guy to start in year one. I think I'm on the same page with you. It is interesting because of how, you know, Rosberger, he gets injured at times because how he doesn't go down right away. He takes a lot of hits in the pocket. He's not as mobile as he used to be. Or, you know, as a Juju owner and a huge Juju believer, if if Rosberger does get injured or just can't do it anymore or has lost it because of that, the elbow injury, um, if they did have a, a competent backup, it would at least give me some faith because Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges as the QBs back there, they... I'm sorry. Do not do that again to my man, Juju. He did not deserve that. <laughs> um, so, And I'm looking at their draft picks here. They've got a two, a three, a two fours. So a lot of buzz out of Pittsburgh on Roto World. They posted that James Conner might be on the hot seat and they might draft an RB Good. in Pittsburgh. Good. Good? Good. Not I don't James see it, Conner. man. Why would, they trade away their top first, their pick for, for um, the the safety out of Miami there. Was it Mason? Minka, Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka Fitzpatrick. So they don't have a first round pick. I so they're gonna take they're gonna spend a second so they're gonna trade away a first round pick for a safety and then take a running back with their next pick? Ugh, come on. No, maybe not their second pick, but I think they add somebody. Because I think you know, Jalen Samuels is interesting. He doesn't seem to have done a lot given opportunity though. You know, him coming out of the draft, is he a running back, is he a tight end? That was pretty exciting, but it kind of just seems like maybe he's neither. He did better with Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger is more accurate. You know, those dump-offs. Are you uh, are you buying Benny Snell? No. So, as you can, you know, in our league, I have James Conner. I have Jalen Samuels. I wasn't really big on Snell coming out. Some people were. He's a, as He was a producer, kind of a compiler at Kentucky. Uh, I just, they have a lot of bodies there in Pittsburgh. Why waste a pick? On a running back, they're replaceable. James, Con- yes, James Conner has had trouble with injuries, but when he hasn't been injured, he's been efficient. Jalen Samuels with Ben Rosper was good. Benny Snell was representable when he got a chance. That offensive line can turn anyone into a respectable player. Protect Ben Roethlisberger. That's how they win. Don't just invest in running backs. You've got enough bodies at running back. That's just. But you know how I am. I'm a running backs don't matter kind of guy. Any thoughts to add on to that? So you're just gonna no. I don't want to keep piling on to the James Conner hate. I mean, I'll, I'll take every chance I can to get. I think he's unreliable, and I think this is a team where, like you said, the offensive line, they've been in the top five or seven for the last five or seven years. And if you can't stay healthy behind that, you're not doing your team any favors. James Conner has been fantastic when he's on the field. 
And he's got some receiving upside, too. I he just, definitely does. But, I mean, at this point, Dave, he's got to be, what, maybe played in 60% of the games since Lev Bell left? Yeah. I, it's, I'm not I mean, as I'm counting my fingers here, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, so I would say, I, I hear, I get what you're throwing down here with James Conner. I, I just think if they don't draft a top, one of those top four RBs, I think if they, you know, if they take a guy in the fourth round, uh, I think James Conner still gets the first shot at least. He gets that first opportunity until he gets dinged, and then it's all, you know, then it's all loose. You know, Can I whatever. throw a wrench at you? Yeah, sure. What about Devonta Freeman landing there? Devonta Freeman. I mean, yeah. So Devonta Freeman for me, he seemed to didn't. He just seems like a plotter at this point. He's lost some of that. I mean, he never was an athletic running back, or at least a burner. At you know, he he was more of a technician. I felt like at times he, he was a great. Don't get me wrong, great running back. But I feel like he, the injuries have kind of sapped his lower body explosiveness. Um, what do you, I mean? It's tough to tell because because what's going to happen is Devonta Freeman's waiting until after the draft, and he's going to sign with a team that still needs a running back then. Hmm. So what, how much cap space do they have? So they have five and three quarters right now. So I guess you could get Devonta Freeman, but I think that's without – you have to save room for your draft picks. It'd be tough to get Devonta Freeman in under that. You'd have to make yeah, some Yeah, I mean, adjustments. then you're talking him at the min, at the min right? I mean, I think, I think he's still going to require – you know how those – the veteran RBs, they still get two or three – I mean, Jordan Howard got $9 million, two-year $9 million deal. So – No, I'm just saying what you'd have to do to make the math work. Yeah, right? uh, and – so, I mean, Devonta Free- you're right. Devonta Freeman still being out there does have a th- feel like he could crush some some hopes of some running back, you know, fantasy owner running back's dream. All right, and Sean, now we're on to the Baltimore Ravens who turned their team into a run first, deep, you know, attack the, the middle and deep part of the field with Lamar Jackson, uh, Mark Ingram last season. They've got Marquise Brown there going into his second season. The he people forget he was the first drafted wide receiver last year, so uh, he dealt with some injuries, but he did have a lot of touchdowns. He was efficient with his targets. Uh, there's a lot going on with that Ravens offense. They, I mean, not necessarily acquisition wise, but they you know they cut some of their dead weight wide receiver. I think they got rid of Seth Roberts. Um, it was I'm not saying he's you know a terrible player or anything, but as far as fantasy wise, and they trade for Hayden. They trade away Hayden Hurst to, so they have. Was it Doyle and or Bo, Doyle Nick, or Boyle? Yeah, oh Doyle rules. Nick, <laughs> yeah, Nick, Nick Boyle and they got uh, Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews. So I think this. I think this just more. It probably helps Hayden Hurst more than anything, but also just you know less. I still think they're going to have a lot of tight ends in that offense for blocking purposes and just the the package they have in there. Um, and they re-signed Gus Edwards at running back. <sighs> I mean. I guess. Do you want to talk about? Do you think Hayden Hurst leaving helps Andrew Stock at all, or is it just is just Andrew, Andrew still in your top three dynasty tight ends? He's still in my top three. Um, I don't think it really has any effect on Andrews because Hurst wasn't a threat to Andrews anymore. I was reading up on they had a whole rundown of the trade and how it built up in Bleacher Report, and it started with Hayden Hurst went into the office one day and was like, "Hey, you know, I'm a first round pick. I'm not getting on the field." And they just like laughed him out of the room and said, look at what Andrews is doing. Like you're not getting on the field. Um, so I think, I think it helps Hurst. You know, he's in a spot where Austin Hooper probably had, you know, 16, 17% target share down in Hotlanta last year. So he's going to slide into that role and that's great for him. Um, Cause I think he was the odd man out. Yep. 
So yeah, I think I agree with you. I, I'm ten, and we talked about this in the last show um, a little bit. But Mark Andrews, he's the kind of guy that I'd be targeting if I had Zach Ertz. I mean, if I had George Kittle too, like if people are in love with George Kittle, why not? You know, put a piece on Mark Andrews and try to get and get out from George Kittle because this is you're not gonna. I don't think you can get uh, Kittle's values not can't get much higher. Um, so why not? You know, Mark Andrews has still young. I mean, he's not young, young, but he's still got some upside and. And if Lamar Jackson, that my biggest thing is, I still I really like Lamar Jackson as a passer. He can he can read defenses. He can make his, his progressions to his first, second, and third reads. He's not just a rush first quarterback. Yeah, he has a lot of design runs, but he still reads the defense. And if he can continue, like work on his accuracy just a tad, um, he could just keep getting more dynamic. And that could be, I think that what would really help the receivers and the tight ends in this offense if he can really just you know, be able to be a little bit more accurate. And just how, how do you stop him at that point? How do you stop that offense at that point? Dave, who are you referring to? Am I saying Lamar Jackson, right? Oh, wait, you mean the wide receiver, Lamar Jackson, right? No, no. No. How, no, I, no. I love that Bill Polian is currently unemployed. Yeah, goodness. I mean, I we as you know, last season, me and Todd were both very high on Lamar Jackson. We liked him as a prospect, and... Just blatant, blatant prejudice, racism. Oh my goodness! Just unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, and he, I, it's still happening now. People don't think he's. A, people are just thinking he's a running quarterback right now. People don't think he can throw the ball. And he didn't. He lead the league in touchdowns. Yeah, those are people. That, those are people that didn't watch a game last year. Lamar Jackson. I, I mean, I think his TD rate is going to go down a little bit. I think it'd be tough to. I mean, you know, he's he's only his second season last year. He could definitely keep, you know, he could still improve as a passer and he could still blow us away here. But it's really tough to see that TD rate be sustained. It is a unique situation. But historically, that efficiency is really hard to hold up. And I still think Lamar Jackson is a game changer. I just don't think it's, oh, you have Lamar Jackson. I might as well even open up my uh, my foot fantasy football app if I'm going up against you this week kind of mm. thing. You know, that's how it was too. Yeah. So... uh the running back situation, Mark Ingram, you know, he got popped for PEDs last, uh, I think, at the, the start of last year or two seasons ago. Two seasons, yeah, that's when he was still in uh, New Orleans. So usually in the past, you've seen that kind of – Evan Silva's done a lot of research on this about what PEDs mean for running backs, and they can kind of tail off after they – you know, in a year or two afterwards. Um, does that mean it's Justice Hill season or is, you know, Gus Edwards, <laughs> who's just the – what are we thinking here? I wish it would be Justice Hill season, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. You know, the uh, he was coming out. He was supposed to be the pass-catching running back. He was going to be the one to kind of open up that backfield and not just be the ground and pound that Gus Buss and Mark Ingram are. And the Ravens actually targeted their running backs. I think it was the least amount. And if it wasn't the least amount, it's in, like, the bottom three of any team at all last year. Well, running quarterbacks have a tendency when – because a lot, you know, like, yeah, say, like, a Phillip Rivers. safety net. Yeah, Philip Rivers, who can't, you know, he's not, uh, he's not um, yeah, he's rushing not for a thousand yards. I mean, or Tom Brady, you know, well, Tom Brady's a little bit different, but hey, he's a thousand yard rusher. Exactly. Yeah. So, but these, you know, these non-mobile quarterbacks, they they they'll dump it off. Whereas a guy like Lamar Jackson, he can do it himself. Yeah. So why so dump it off? Hill got a couple of looks last year to take it between the tackles. Didn't really do anything with it. Did nothing to really assert himself above the other two, and I. I can't imagine anything's going to change with them coming in. You know, the only thing, like you said, I think Jackson's in for some touchdown regression. 
because he has to be. His own fantasy value probably isn't impacted by that as much just because of all that mobility that he has. But, you know, those downline items, how it affects Andrews, how it affects Brown, is definitely worth some consideration because he needs to take those steps forward with the accuracy, with the reads, to be able to balance that out. We, we have a little time still here. Where are you on Marquise Brown? Are you a believer? Um, He showed yeah, some promise. The, the Liz Frank injury was tough timing to really buy in on him with as high as he was going last year. But that Miami game in, what was it, week one or two? When he yeah, he just, won matchups. You know, when oh he, went, he won matchups. What did he have, like 160 yards and three touchdowns that oh day or gosh. something? That, was, that was like, when you had to go back. You had to, After that game, you're like, whoa, this Ravens, oh my goodness. I mean, Miami was Miami at that point. Everyone, I, But just the, just thinking about what that Lamar Jackson could have done last year. Oh my gosh. Yeah, what, a, so, what a special season that was. I think we should have, we should have mentioned that right off the get-go. What a, it was a fun season to watch Lamar Jackson. Oh, it was season. fantastic. That game, where they played San Francisco in maybe week 12. is like one of the best football games I think I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it peaked. Remind me of that, like, was it a Rams? Was another, it was like the two off, like Rams Saints. Rams Saints from two years ago? Was yeah, it Rams that, Saints it was like or Rams on that Chiefs? level. What's that? Rams Saints or Rams Chiefs? Yeah, something. It was something like that. One of those like two. That. Yeah, yeah. I, that, it was a truly all-time great game, in my opinion, that I can remember the last few years. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm buying in on Brown, um, I, but you know, not wholeheartedly. I'd say I'm not as enthusiastic as I'm sure some people are, because my fear would be is that either that's his game, you know, it's just that burner field stretcher. His ball tracking skills are off the charts, and if you can hit him in stride, nobody's going to touch him. But, you know, he doesn't have the underneath work, and he's not going to be able to diversify his game a lot. And or Jackson won't be able to progress as a passer. And that'll kind of hurt his viability a little bit. So I'd say, you know, high-end wide receiver two with some seasons where he's flirting with, you know, wide receiver 10, wide receiver 9 finish. Like Brandon Cooks, I think, when he first came out. Those first years, he was blowing everybody away when he was in New Orleans. Yeah, I, I think I overlooked Marquise Brown a little bit last year. Um, so I think he is he's interesting. He's definitely being discounted. People are not – I don't think he's getting a lot of buzz. I think he's pretty cheap. People are people are still higher on Nikhil Harry than him. Yeah. Um, and he, he was had a better first year than Nikhil Harry. Uh, that being said, I'm looking at their depth chart. It's Miles Boykin. You're not – are you a Miles Boykin believer? He didn't produce much at Notre Dame. Uh, no, I I liked him. I thought he was tantalizing just because he was cheap in an, an offense. That you're, really you're an ath- are you a closet athleticism uh, kind of guy? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, hey, you look at those those bar graphs on playerprofile.com, you're like, oh, that's not bad. It's hard to look off, and they're right there at the top. It's the first. They even have the animation where it goes up. It's, I'm looking at you know I'm looking at this wide receiver depth chart on Google. I just like search, search it real quick, and he's got the, the sleeveless look right now, running in training camp. I, I mean, I understand, Sean, yeah, it's but a, it's a good look. The reason why I bring up Miles Boykin is is that they could invest again at wide receiver. There's a lot of depth of this wide receiver class this year. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Why not keep I, if you want to keep developing um, Lamar Jackson as a, as a quarter a thrower? Why not add, give him a big bodied wide receiver maybe i'm sure you i know you're a michael pittman fan wouldn't you love yeah. michael pittman with the ravens it'd be fantastic i think this is another brian edwards i'd love this is for brian edwards uh and there's there's not many wide receivers denzel mims would be attractive there's a yeah. lot of wide receivers i could get excited about yeah if, in, you, if you can put a big body guy in there who's got 
you know, huge wingspan, can really cover a lot of ground and win a lot of contested balls and take some of that accuracy pressure off of Jackson. Could you see them drafting Chase Claypool? Like the size, speed freak. Oh, we lost. We, you know, we need to spend another high capital on a tight end slash wide receiver hybrid, and we just trade away Hayden Hurst. Like, oh, look at this athletic freak in Chase Claypool. Yeah. Where do they line them up a lot of the time? Who knows? Who knows? And how they're they're creative. They're, yeah, true. Their offensive coordinator, his name's escaping right now, but he used to be in San Francisco too. That's a really creative offense. But I think we spent a lot of time. I think moment. we should just say that we shouldn't. This must be Mark. Marking or must be close to the end. You could yeah. see them. I'm investing in running back too again. Yay or nay? Uh, I think maybe nah, not. Who knows? Maybe nay for this year. But. Yeah, so yeah, why not wait? I mean, there's not a lot of running backs coming out next year. There's a couple, but it's not there's some really big names this year that would do really well there. But and also too, we should say Marshall Yander retired for the Ravens, that offensive line, which I think is helpful for Lamar Jackson. They should they're probably gonna invest in the offensive line again. So make sure you're protecting Lamar Jackson so he's not getting blindsided or anything like that. But all right. Anything else? No, no, that, all right. that covers it. Not much to say with the Bengals here. We'll move on to the Bengals. We'll try to wrap this up quick here. They tagged AJ Green, Joe Burrow probably going there. They've starting that's some an attractive. They have some weapons there. They've got Joe Mixon who's starting a holdout now, which is oh great. He's on my <laughs> dynasty roster. Phenomenal. Good. Um, I mean, I, I'd hate. I don't. Well, the way it is, is, I don't see it going past week six. But we said that with Le'Veon Bell. We've said that with with Melvin Gordon. Um, who you know? Who knows what's going to happen now? But. The Bengals have talked about they wanted to re-sign him, so we'll see how that goes. But AJ Green, I you know I wish he was traded somewhere else. But Joe Burrow is promising. Are you you still have some hope for AJ Green, or is he, is he done for you? Uh, I want to have hope for him. I've always loved Green, but you know I don't think he's somebody you can get cheap just because of the pedigree. And I he's think, going in the four, wide receiver forties, late forties in dynasty startups. People are he's pretty discount right now. Whereas yeah, that is pretty discount. What is what is preventing him from being a top twelve wide receiver? I, I he's yeah he's got to be healthy. Yes, that's a big big if. But he's got the talent with a Joe Burrow guns throwing the ball. What what's to stop? You know, it's not like people are high on Julio Jones. Julio Jones has had some lower body injuries, and yeah, he's been able to stay on the field. But AJ Green put up like what was it five straight? insane seasons in a row until he's been derailed the last you know yeah, recency bias right. with injuries he can make people forget that really quickly aj green can and i and if you if you're in a build and you're investing really young wide receiver and then as you let them like a justin jefferson a dj moore and and jay and rager and you need some immediate uh wide receiver depth to produce right away aj green's a guy that that fits that kind of build do you agree yeah, yeah, I do. You know, I think like Adam Thielen, I'd cast in that same kind of mold too. Um, Adam Thielen's still going a lot higher. Like AJ Green's like the discount Adam Thielen, but I think, and I like Adam Thielen, but AJ Green's better than Adam Thielen. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know this offense is kind of sneaky promising. I mean, obviously Burrow is otherworldly. I mean, he can get away with smoking a cigar indoors while a cop yells at somebody sitting him right sitting right next to him for doing the same thing <laughs> with his tiny hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I think they Tyler Boyd is really good. I'm not a John Ross guy. I think they they move to replace him. But he's probably, you know, when he's healthy, he's, he, man, wasn't he the wide receiver one the first, like, six games last year? Yeah. That Tyler Boyd's there, people. You know, he's still, I think Joe, Joe Burrow does something for Tyler Boyd. Yeah, um, big time. They have their first round 
Uh, offensive line coming back healthy. Like the guy they drafted last year, he should be coming back healthy. They mm-hmm. got rid of Cordy Glenn, but if they keep investing, I've been preaching this for a couple of years now, invest in your offensive line and everything else will fall into place. Yeah. Well, look at the Colts. Um, that's been the big... I so, think this is a system, too, that you know, you're not going to see a slow build. What Zach Taylor came in and did... You know, it's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be a little bit better and then a little bit better and a little bit better. I don't think it'll have that incremental build like that. Last year, they ran the ninth most plays and passed with the fifth highest frequency of every team. It's a gun offense. They're going to move quickly, and I think he wants to put a lot of passes in. He's going to get Burrow. Burrow was fantastic last year, slinging the ball. I think this is going to be a kind of night and day turnaround. I think in terms of you know NFL wins, they're not going to shoot up shoot up the ladders because there'll be a lot of mistakes along the way. But I think it's going to be a really big wave for a lot of these guys. You know, Tyler Boyd will kind of be able to shake off some of the doubt. A.J. Green, if he's healthy, will be A.J. Green. I think they bring somebody else in. You know, I don't think they're really going to roll out Alex Erickson again as their wide receiver three or Auden Tate. I don't think they're going to count on John Ross being there. Auden Tate had some production at times last year. And we haven't met – We I know we briefly touched on Joe Mixon and his – uh contract holdout threat and it might not even be a threat it might could be a real thing um they have some interesting backup running backs in cincinnati rodney anderson when mm. healthy was a dynamic talent out of oklahoma travion williams was a lot of darlings for some stat people last year or is he from a&m yeah texas a&m uh they if you're if we're worried about joe mixon holding out what Ronnie Anderson, Trigon Williams are available on the waiver wires in some of these leagues. You should we people should have learned their lesson when people Justin Jackson jumped like ten rounds in value, volume mm-hmm. um, overnight last year. How about Tony uh, Pollard? Yeah, Tony Pollard. Yes, exactly. So people bef- before I mean I haven't heard too much. I know people are just more oh woe was me right now for the the Joe Mixon owners, but. You know, you got to be a smart fantasy analyst and think ahead. Think the next move. Okay, Joe Mixon, even if it doesn't happen, it's not like you have to invest a lot to get Rodney Harrison or Travion Williams. And you know what I think, too, is always more, you know, even if these holdouts aren't dramatic, even if it's not a Le'Veon Bell or a Melvin Gordon five, six games into the season, even if they're there for week one, if they hold out of OTAs, if they hold out of training camp, Trayvon Williams, whoever it is, is in there. They're getting all the reps. Rodney Anderson's in there getting all the reps. That means and, something to the coaches. That's going to translate onto field. And the, like, you know, it's been shown, too, that people who hold out, they, they're not maybe as in shape because, you know, they mm-hmm. don't want to be injured. So they're not, you know, training as hard or whatever. And they and it takes a while to get them up and running. And they might injure themselves while they're they're ramping up their workload. That being said, before we go tuning further, we should also say Giovanni Bernard, who's been, <laughs> he, he was a first-round dynasty uh, running or first round rookie pick uh, back in the day, Sean Giovanni Bernard was a darling of a lot of people back in the day in Dynasty, and he's produced when given the opportunity. When the like when the starting running back has gone down, Giovanni Bernard, Giovanni Bernard has produced. And let's not you know he's getting a little older now, but I, that, that age you know why not take advantage of it and throw a late third, late third, early fourth, or you package them up with another juicy name for like a handcuff for their running back to try to get Jenny. Ver- why not? Giovanni Bernard, PPR upside. He, he, I still, I still have a place in my heart for Johnny Bernard. What about you? Yeah, I think he's got some viability. He's kind of like a perpetual also ran to me, and I put Spencer Ware in that same category, where it seems like year in and year out, everybody is saying like. This is going to be it. This will be the one. This is the Gio Bernard year. This is the Spencer Ware year. 
I mean, this, it was the Spencer Ware year until Kareem Hunt. Then post Kareem Hunt, it was the Spencer Ware year, and then there was Damien Williams. And you know, I think him and Gio Bernard kind of fit that same mold of it almost doesn't make sense why it hasn't happened. Because it seems like the production is there, everything else is there, and just for some reason, something goes wrong. Oh, but I think that covers Cincinnati. I don't think we really need to go into the tight ends too much. Drew Sample doesn't move the needle for me. Does he for you as I, as I move on to the last team we no, haven't talked about I mean, yet? Not, not particular. I think if you're in a tight end premium, anybody who's slated to be a starter is worth a look, um, especially with a fresh quarterback coming in. But I don't think he really should be blowing anybody's hair back, nor do I really think he is blowing anybody's hair he's back. He's like, exactly. He's like, I think he's a pass block. He's a run block guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. he keeps being teased as, you know, maybe he's the guy who just wasn't on a college team that threw to tight ends. But and as we finish up, we're going to our last team, the Cleveland Browns. There's been a lot of rumors swirling there. I think a lot of it's been bogus about uh, Odell Beckham Jr. being traded. Um, but it seems like whatever the Browns are doing, they're just you know putting their foot in their mouth. You know they're just everyone. <laughs> but uh, Cleveland Browns they signed Austin Hooper, big contract deal, um, young tight end, low A dot guy in, in Atlanta. Uh, he was a dump-off guy over the middle for Matt Ryan. Does this move the needle at all for you? Um, I think I'd treat Hooper this similar to how everybody had him in 2018. You know, obviously last year for him was awesome. Really, like, connected with Ryan, had a ton of upside, a ton of touchdowns. That was fantastic for him. But 2018, he was just kind of there. He popped every couple of weeks, and that was great. I think it's going to be the same thing here. Uh, I don't think that offense is efficient enough to support a lot of mouths. And I think he makes almost too much sense. Like, why use a dump-off person if you're in trouble, Baker Mayfields? That just doesn't seem to be their game. They're going to try and force it. They're going to do what they always do. So I just, I wouldn't be spending for them. So the problem I have with the Browns, taking a step back, that, and I think we bre- we, met, we mentioned it briefly, that organization cannot get out of its own way, Sean. Oh, it's just a mess. And as an organization, swinging back, they had go all the way back to Hugh Jackson, uh, they, who was supposed to be an offensive guy, and just things kind of fell apart. So then they went, they thought he was too old school. So then they went ahead and they're like, oh, Freddie Kitchen, he's supposed to be this young, you know, advanced passing guy. They brought in the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's going to be a, a down-the-field passing game with Baker Mayfield and his year two is supposed to take a step forward. And that all fell in their face. Um, they got too big for their shoot. They, you know, they got... I don't think I think they got too far ahead of themselves. They fell on their face, but then this pendulum. So that's pendulum pendulum swung way too far towards that way, and now it's swinging all the way back with Kevin Stefanski now, who's a run-oriented offensive line or, or offensive kind of guy. He had two tight end sets. Um, they had like a, a ton of twelve personnel in Minnesota with Irv Smith and and Rudolph. So I could see them end up keeping David and Joe Kuhn having a two tight end offense. What do you think? Yeah, I could see that. Um, I just, again, I don't know how much viability these guys are going to have. You know, I think... They vulture themselves, right? They vulture each other? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think the Browns, and just reiterating kind of what you said, they seem like a team... Like, I, you ever heard the old joke, an elephant is a horse built by committee? No, but I like it. Okay, that's what they seem like to me, is that you've got so many different people in and out of there, different GMs, different coaches, different this, that, the other, that there's really no cohesion to how their team is built. So somebody comes in and is like, oh man, Austin Hooper, like, yeah, he's going to be the guy. I love this guy. 
and they don't even look to see that they have David and Joku because they didn't take him because they've only been in the door for 30 minutes. Yep. And if they were, you know, Stefanski's going to come in and he, like you just said, he does run the two tight end sets, but now you're trying to retrain Baker to use tight ends after he spent two years not using him. <sighs> and I think the reset's not that clean. You know, you don't unlearn habits like that in real time. I just don't want. I just don't want the offensive system to destroy Baker like they destroyed. I don't. I think it's a. It's a little different than what happened to Marcus Mariota, but he had a ton of turnover his time in Tennessee, an offensive coordinator. And just please don't ruin Baker for me. Baker was one of the <laughs> like Mariota was one of the best QB prospects to come out of college, in my opinion. Baker was even better. Actually, they're actually they're both in the same level. But Baker, yeah, Baker was just a slightly better. Um. Baker, in my opinion, is still a buy low. I know a lot of people who have him. Uh, they're believers, so it's tough to get him. But I'm a, I'm a Baker guy. Sean, are you giving up? Do you think his, he's, his personality, he's not a leader? What do you think? Um, no, you know, I can, I can buy in to him being a leader. You know, I think the people that are the ones lining up to say he's not are the same ones that still think you have to take a hat off when you walk into a building. I think it's a generational gap, and there's something to be said for him grabbing his crotch at midfield, for him waving the flag, for him telling off people on the sidelines. You know, the people who didn't like Baker to begin with are the people now who are saying Baker's no good, right? They're like, ah, I told you so, yeah, right. right? It's just people taking the Browns being the Browns and using that to force their narrative onto Baker. You know, if you took if you took Baker and you dropped him into the Vikings, or you dropped him onto the Patriots, or... San Francisco. San Fran- yeah, like a stable organization that has solid coaching and not a ton of turnover. What's he do? You know, I think, he, I think he'd be a lot better. Yeah, you know, I think, he, I think that... I'd like to think this was a learning opportunity for him last year. I would love to see him get back to his, uh, his first... He won Rookie of the Year, right? Yes. Love to get him back to how he was down the stretch there in his rookie season. He still has a load of talent. I think, I hope he's hitting the playbook with Stefanski and they're really just focused on, I think what people are, are you know, and we, we could take, spend the whole podcast about Baker Mayfield, but we should probably move on quickly here. They've also got Kareem Hunt is back. Um, after Kareem Hunt came back from suspension last year, Nick Chubb's targets. I think he only had eleven the rest of this the rest of the season after Nick Chubb got quite a few targets in the first half of the season. Um, that really made just Nick Chubb a one dimensional running back. I think I think Kareem Hunt, he kind of, that, those two vulture off each other. They, they you know they both limit each other's upside. I still think Nick Chubb's the bell cow or not bell cow, but he's the, the go to running back. But uh Kareem Hunt gets a lot of work out of the backfield. I know you're a big Kareem Hunt guy. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I'm loving I was really hoping he'd be out of there this year because I think he's gonna go back to you know a similar role that he had in 2017, 2018 with the Chiefs. Um and it's just it's you know, it's a matter of time. I was kinda hoping he would walk and he would end up in Tampa. That was kind of my hope for him. But yeah, yeah, you know, so I'd I'd be buying him for twenty twenty one. I think the most maddening part, once they were back, I think they kind of settled nicely into this. You know, Hunt's really getting the third down passing work. He had something like, you know, he would have been on pace on a full season for 90 targets. He had a lot of touchdowns too last year. Yeah, you know. that's what I was just going to say. They really, there was no predictability at all to who got what in the red zone. 
And I think you might be able to pick off a couple of owners who are frustrated by that in season. So just the problem with the Kareem Hunt is, is just another year. This is supposed to be his apex season. This is supposed to be the peak of his career, and he's behind Nick Chubb. Hmm. So, But they did invest. They took the tackle, the right tackle from Tennessee. They're boosting that offensive line a little bit. Um, Nick Chubb had a lot of – they were very inefficient at the red zone at, on the goal line running the ball last year. Nick Chubb had like 23 attempts, I think, at the at the, at the goal line and only a couple touchdowns. Uh, so maybe maybe Stefanski comes in a different running scheme. They can they can boost that. I just like do you? But you they hurt each other, right? And yeah, and I think just because they're both good, you know what I mean. There's no way to really carve out and say, well, this is Chubb's role because Hunt can't do this, or this is Hunt's role because Chubb can't do this. They can both kind of do it, which is great from a coaching scheme reality perspective but if you're a fantasy owner of either of those guys that sucks yep and you know i i think we both agree that odell beckham jr is not going anywhere with his contract at least in minnesota with their cap situation yeah uh doesn't make a lot of sense with his contract but and then also criminally underrated jarvis landry i think you know people you know, when you're thinking, oh, yeah, I really like Denzel Mims here. He's he's going to be awesome. Well, who knows if Denzel Mims going to be awesome. But guess what? Jarvis Landry is has been a consistent producer. Why not take that pick, that late first-round pick or early second-round pick for Denzel Mims and try to see if you can get Jarvis Landry, mm-hmm. who's criminally underrated. If you look at where – sometimes he falls off the top 24 ranked wide receivers. Yeah, well, he was wide receiver 13, I think, last year, something like that. Yeah, and his, his A dot went up significantly last year with Odell Beckham Jr. there. Um so, you know, that's just my last part for Cleveland. So, Sean, I think we did it. We got there. We did it. Todd, you know, I realize how hard it is now. Todd is a batch better host than I am, so he was missed tonight. Anyway, Sean, I think we did okay tonight. What do you think? I think we did very well. We did. We missed a little bit of spunk from Todd. Todd definitely amps up the, uh, amps it up a little bit for us. With he's, the good, heat. he's good at throwing down the spur of the moment question. I find too. Yeah. Now that we're doing this with him, he's got that silky smooth transition. I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to remember that I'm supposed to be even directing where we're going here. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Sean, I had a lot of fun tonight. I, it's, I'm actually really happy to be done this segment, so we can start talking about rookies again. Yeah, to, um, I think we're gonna to do point. one more episode before the tr- the draft comes out. So I'm looking forward to that a lot. Uh, before we go, why don't you tell? The uh, the one listener now who's still listening after that story, um, where can they find your work? Where can they find you? Yeah, thanks for sticking it out, Sad. Um, so <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at ff underscore walrus, and also writing for the Dynasty Factory Football website, producing some Dynasty content for them. Dave and I are working on a huge thing for the draft that has been exhausting, uh, but really looking forward to getting that out there into the Twitterverse. So yeah, that definitely hits Sean up. Sean's a th- I really like what he's doing for his writing and the way he approaches fantasy football. Sean is a very sharp fantasy player. I'd love for Sean to get a little bit more active on Twitter because I think he definitely has some nuggets for everyone to share. But, you know, Sean's moving right now. He's doing a bunch of work. So what can, oh, you, what can you say? Oh, God, yeah. What he, a nightmare. So, and yes, you can find me, Dave Wright, FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter. I also write for... The fantasy or dynasty fantasy football factory. Uh, I love dropping some metrics. Check out my pinned tweet and my college prospect database ranking back to 2000. 
I'm appearing on the Off the Rails Dino Pod episode tomorrow. We're doing a mock draft, and I'm also joining the Dynasty Fantasy Football Theory Football Show. I, 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 I jinxed us there, but uh, John Bowers podcast. Looking forward to that at, on draft night as we break down the picks as they come out. So yeah, and as always, Sean, thanks for joining the Rivals. Oh, of course. Do we want to post this note? I can send it over to you. 